Amanda, and welcome to Minute 22 of Season 5 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee-ki-yay our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Jeanette Ward of the Mundane Adventures of a Fangirl. Welcome back to the show, Jeanette. Hello, happy to be here. Welcome, welcome back. You see, I got it right this time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I didn't say the adventures mundane fangirl of a. There you go. How would Yoda say that? How do you think Yoda would exactly say that? as you just did? I was gonna say you Yoded that whole sentence. <laughs> okay, so episode twenty-two begins with Lorenzo still being pissed off, and ends with Lorenzo deciding to call for backup. <laughs> yeah, you you definitely picked a good week to get you know pissed off uh, uh, Dennis Franz. That, that's that's the way to do it. Yes. So yeah, yesterday we we heard part of his diatribe, which was interrupted for a second by not now later. Not now later. <laughs> not now later. <laughs> That's right. We'll, we'll 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 keep saying that throughout the week. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> and he was giving a list of of all the things of why he's so busy, and he goes and he started saying yesterday I got a reindeer, and then today he continues with saying flying in here from the petting zoo. But John McClain, he's got a problem. Let's shut down the whole fucking airport. What do you think they'll say upstairs when I tell them that? Why don't you pick up the phone and find out? Because I don't need full forensics to tell me that this was some punk stealing luggage. Luggage? That punk pulled a Glock 7 on me. That's a porcelain gun made in Germany. Doesn't show up on airport x-ray machines and costs more than you make in a month. You'd be surprised what I make in a month. If it's more than a dollar ninety-eight, hey McLean, don't start believing your own press, huh? Yeah, I know all about you and that Nakatomi thing in LA, but just because the TV thinks you're hot, that don't make it so. Look, you are in my little pond now, but I am the big fish that runs it. So you catch some low life. Fine, I'll send your captain in LA a recommendation. Now get the hell out of my office before I have you thrown out. So you literally get an entire. We get an entire minute of you know. Sipowitz slash Lorenzo slash Dennis Franz just talking the whole time. He gets interrupted a little bit by by McLean, but he's mostly just screaming at him, explaining to him. It's it's Sipowitz Sipowitzing. There you for go. The whole minute. The uh, and I counted no less than six. <laughs> I believe could be <laughs> all from him. You're saying. Yeah, well, wait. Yeah. Do we count? Do we count? Do we count the reindeer from yesterday or not? Or oh, that doesn't oh, count. Oh, I think it did. Uh, okay, so here we just so we got. Petting zoo, a airport, <laughs> full forensics, <laughs> and then he says your captain in LA a commendation. That's five. No, only five. Sorry, I guess okay. you counted well, the reindeer. Yeah, I, I counted the reindeer one from yesterday. All right. So. Yeah, but but five. but five five is still I pretty impressive. Like, it's not. If you do the math on that, it's not on the level of Steve Martin. Steve Martin got seventeen in a minute. It's but, a lot. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, but but I think that's part of the character, you know, <laughs> just the absolute exasperation at the entire situation. But again, in this minute, there's some very high quality exposition. If for some reason you're, if you're watching this movie without having seen the original Die Hard, he very quickly sums up the I know all about you in that. And I love the way he pronounces Nakatomi. Nakatomi. The Nakatomi thing. The Nakatomi <laughs> thing in L.A. Again, the most Chicago cop in this D.C. airport. 
<laughs> I know all about you and that Nakatomi thing from L.A. So again, summing up, just in case you weren't familiar with the first movie, uh, just because the TV thinks you're hot. <laughs> so again, in case you didn't see the first movie, you know that McLean has done some big time thing in L.A. and is now here in D.C. And this guy's not having it. And I love that you're you're in my little pond and I'm the big fish that runs it. Right, which we'll come back. Uh, we'll come back around to us. Uh, I think next week, mm-hmm. or maybe the week after. Uh, no, I think it's next little, week. I think it's next week. Little laugh after that sentence. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's it's funny that he doesn't say that I'm the shark or something like that. You know, no, he's just, he's just a big I'm fish. just a big he's, fish. He he knows his lane and he stays in it. It's true. That's very true. Also, the you'd be surprised by how much I make in a month. If it's more than a dollar ninety-eight, I'd be very surprised. Fantastic <laughs> insult. Fantastic. Yes. yes, it really is. And the I'm sure you have notes for all this, but the one thing that I love the bit with the paper. I know all about that thing with you in L.A. because he has it on a paper. John snatches the paper, and Carmine snatches it right back. That's right. I, I'm curious <laughs> if that was scripted, if that was directed, or if that was just improved by the two of them, like paper snatching back and forth i love that bit thought it was fantastic um i i it's it's uh, improv it wasn't uh it's not in the script i mean i'll, I'll give love you a it. little bit of a hint that it's not in the script the script that we'll be talking about uh, later on today fantastic. yeah and, and i mean the way that dennis franz also you know his his hand motions throughout this yes. entire minute are great yes. You know, he at some point he's he moves both hands out and then he moves one hand and points up and and then he gets close to to, to John's face and and starts talking to him. You know, starts screaming at him basically, and then he moves away and then John still and then he takes a sip of his coffee also. Like he doesn't care. <laughs> I want he is more working coffee. Everything he's got in that scene, I love it. All right now, I love that the the I mean we'll we'll see this later. You know, I think next week or the week after. You know, we we see John's dust here, but it's the same as Cochran's. You know that it looks exactly the same. You know, last week we were actually able to see the picture, so I think it. At first, I looked at it. And I'm like, why is he reading Cochran's? It looks very, very similar. So, you know, I'm glad that they uh, that that they were able to make a differentiation there. You know, I think that that works really well. Oh yes. So here we'll go through some of the things that he talks about here. Petting zoos. Do you know any other names for petting zoos? Uh, no. <laughs> Are there other names for petting zoos? That is- apparently, apparently there are. <laughs> All right. A petting zoo is also known as a children's zoo, a children's farm, or a petting farm. Right. It's a combination of domesticated animals and some wild species that are docile enough to touch and feed. And many general zoos contain a petting zoo also. Yes. Ours does here in uh, the Milwaukee County Zoo has a children's petting zoo within it. Makes sense. Yep. Now, where do you think was the first children's zoo in Europe? In Europe? Yes. We'll start with in Europe, and then we'll go to the North America. I have no North idea. I, I feel like London or Paris, or maybe someplace that would surprise me, like Amsterdam. No, it's actually in London. You were right. It's London. Okay, all right. London had the, in, in 1938, they opened up the, 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 the first children's zoo inside of the London Zoo. Okay, all right. Okay, and then you had the Philadelphia Zoo was the first one in North America to open a zoo. They had a special zoo just for children. Mm. Okay, and what's interesting is in the 1990s, it's funny you mentioned Amsterdam, uh, many Dutch cities 
started building petting zoos in in uh, neighborhoods so that urban children could interact with animals. Oh, that's interesting. They also have what are known as mobile petting zoos, not mobile, <laughs> mobile <laughs> petting zoos, right? And they, you know, you can you can like order them for for a children's event or something like that. That makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Do Do you know when the first mobile mobile petting zoo was created? No, the me. idea was like where it was created. When and where? No. Australia in 1992, which that actually makes sense because, you know, if you think about the fact that there's so many, um, you know, there's there's quite big distances between things. Yes. Okay. It's interesting. I always assume Petting Zoo has um, small and, and farm type animals like bunnies and chickens and, you know, small things that are easy to both transport and pet and it all prey animals rather than any predator animals. You know what I mean? Yes, it's true. I also found it interesting that uh, Carmine chooses to say, I got reindeer flying in here from a petting zoo instead of the obvious choice, which would have been <laughs> from the reindeer North flying in here from the North Pole. Yeah, it's such an odd choice. Well, maybe the petting zoo is in the North Pole. Yeah, I mean, ah. I guess, it's such <laughs> why there's no Santa reference there is weird. If you're going to mention some reindeer, and you've already told us we're in an airport in Christmas week, why there's no Santa reference if you're using reindeer? It's very uh, strange. Well, maybe it's just something that you that that, that one should already realize. Yeah, you know, I if guess. You're having reindeers around Christmas time, so it must be because it's from Santa. I don't know. I don't know. Very, but uh, so the the biggest problem with uh, petting zoos, though, is the fact that uh, many. Many of these animals, when, when you touch them, uh, you know, they, there's transmission of many diseases between animals and humans, uh, which is why you should wash your hands after touching the animals. And there have been uh, many outbreaks of E. coli and stuff like that. Coffin uh, mouth. <laughs> let's hope not. <laughs> You're just better off not touching them. That's right. Or just, you know, washing your hands afterwards. Well, yeah, okay, that too. <laughs> which, which makes sense, right? So John mentions the the fact that there's a Glock that the guy had a Glock seven. Again, I mentioned this yesterday. It's just very strange to me that Carmine has no idea. He, you know, he's saying that John shot a punk, but doesn't he know that there is a gun? There's maybe there's a gun around there, or maybe there isn't. Well, yeah, maybe that's he hasn't the issue. gone to examine the scene. He he really needs to get off off his uh, rear end and go down and examine the scene. But uh, you know, correct. Because the question is, what happened to Cochran's gun? Because we didn't see Miller pick it up. You know, Miller oh. ran off with his gun, but he well, never picked kind of it up. Hmm. So I don't know. Not really sure about that. Hmm. And so he mentions that it's a Glock Seven. That's a porcelain gun made in Germany. Okay, there is no such thing as a Glock Seven, and there is no such thing as a porcelain gun. <laughs> That's interesting. You know, I, I, it's uh, good for uh, the storyline. It fits the storyline. That's, story that's, that's right. Uh, a few a few years ago, I, I gave a, an off the beaten track story, uh, telling how I actually got a, a a magazine of bullets, you know, on an airplane by accident. You know, oh, it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't on purpose, but you know, you can't get a gun on it. It's not. It's not as simple. <laughs> well, let's hope. Let's hope it's not <laughs> simple. Right. And so basically he says that, uh, you know, that, that it doesn't show up in the x-ray machines. So do you know when someone created the idea of an x-ray? Uh, no. And why it's called x-ray? 
No, I actually don't know that either. I okay. So in you know, 18... I bet when you say it, I'm going to be like, oh yeah, that I remember. But well, I don't know. Maybe maybe yes, maybe no. I I I read this today. When, you know, I read this and I wasn't really sure. I've never heard of this before. You know, I always right. thought I knew, but I didn't. So. In 1895, a German physics professor named Wilhelm Röntgen stumbled on x-rays while experimenting with Leonard tubes and Crookes tubes, and then he began studying them. And huh. he, he published in the end of 1895, and it was a, he published a paper about x-rays, and he referred to the radiation as X to indicate that it's an unknown type of radiation. Some early tests referred to them as chi rays, having interpreted X as the uppercase Greek letter uh, chi, chai. Okay, uh, okay. Right, which is an X. So the name X-rays stuck. Colleagues suggested calling them uh, Renke rays, but uh, he, he didn't like that idea, obviously. And <laughs> the truth is, in, in Hebrew, okay, uh, X-rays are known as Renken, which I, I'd never made the connection before. You know, this is the first yeah. time that, that, that I've ever realized this type of thing. The problem is, is that nobody knows exactly how he discovered it, because... Uh, you know, his lab notes were burned after his death. Oh, weird. And therefore, his biographers, you know, many different biographers have said different things about what happened. Huh. You know, it's, it, it looks like, you know, reading through the, the story here, it sounds like a superhero uh, origin <laughs> story. You know, like something that, like it says that something green was 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 flashing and you know he got closer and noticed it. I was going to say, were whatever. they burned at his request, or was this they were found to have been burned? Or it this... doesn't. It doesn't. See, say. That's very strange. Doesn't say. Yeah. And they they estimated that after Renkin uh, discovered X-rays, within about a year, there there were over a thousand different articles of of uh, researchers who were doing things that were connected to X-rays. Wow. So it's something that, that, that really, you know, it, it flourished at that huh. point. Uh, and obviously, as we know, x-rays are mostly, they're used in two main places that we know of, mm -hmm. right? One is in airports to check uh, both us and to check the, yes. our luggage to make sure that, that we're not uh, carrying anything we shouldn't mm -hmm. be carrying. And the second thing is uh, for medical yes. purposes. And and uh, Renkin actually was the one who discovered the medical use when he took a picture of his wife's hand and uh, realized that he could actually see, you know, her her bone structure. Crazy. And she said, wow, I have seen my death. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Not something that you really want to, uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a way to put it. That's right. Do you know the name of the x-ray machines that are used now? in airports to, to check people no the vertical ones they're known as yeah they're they're known as backscanner x-rays why because they can detect both hard and soft materials depending on the intensity of the x-ray that they put on i'm not talking about the the you know going through metal detectors i'm talking about the x-ray machines themselves like like maybe in total recall uh, you see <laughs> that type of thing i got you you know i think that's the, what they're referring to here they're not talking about metal detectors mm -hmm. Because metal detectors just detect metal. They don't. They don't take a picture of what your your you know bone structure looks like. Interesting. Um, sometimes they're 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 referred to as uh, body scanners, security scanners, or naked oh. scanners. I don't know why you would think of someone naked if you're just looking at right. their bones. But okay, the TSA, as you know, we mentioned earlier today, or maybe yesterday. I don't even remember when it was about the TSA. Actually, it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, we mentioned yesterday about. It. So as of uh, 2012. 
the TSA uh, makes it that that every airport must have at least one full metal body scanner. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. But once they did that, they they had older ones that they had to get mm -hmm. rid of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Where did those all end up? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Um, right. So the, the next thing I wanted to mention was the fact that, you know, okay, we, we have that he mentions about, uh, you know, it's more than you make in yes. a month. How much okay. does the head of security at the Washington, D.C. airport make in a month? Did, did no, I didn't. Up? I'm asking. I, I figured oh. you would, to be honest. No, well, I, okay. No, I, 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 what, I, what I looked up was how much is a police salary, a police captain's oh, okay. salary All right. in, as oh. of today, because I wasn't able to find you know, the salary of someone from 1990. So we can, we can estimate what I, that's right. Well, I, I'm going to give go even further than that. So today between 16, anywhere between 70,000 and $89,000 wow. a year. Okay. That that's the, the average police captain salary. Okay. So as of March 28th, 2023, so not that long ago, the average salary, you know, looking at that range mm -hmm. or whatever, it, the average was 78, thousand eight hundred twenty six interesting okay so what what i did was i took that number and i put it into the inflation calculator and looked at it backwards okay yeah okay to see how much uh seventy eight thousand dollars or seventy nine thousand dollars was worth in 1990 mm -hmm. you know seventy nine thousand dollars of today so it was worth thirty four thousand dollars okay so my assumption is is that this porcelain gun does not cost thirty thousand no. dollars i i could be wrong you know it's possible. Now, <laughs> now then John mentions the fact that uh, if it's more than a dollar and ninety-eight, you know, yeah. uh, I'd be surprised. So, how much is a dollar ninety-eight from nineteen ninety worth today? Oh, wait. I suppose I could use the calculations you just had and then run them. The, I'm not going to do that. You just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it's four fifty-seven. Oh, okay. Okay. So he's basically saying almost All five right. bucks. So, okay, that, that yeah, makes sense. I, if it's more than a firm, <laughs> it's still a very good insult. Yes, it's a great insult. No question about that. <laughs> um, right. So, okay, uh, that's all I have for this oh. minute. Uh, I wanted to mention one other thing that we, we, we forgot to mention in passing was that, uh, you know, when, you know, while Carmine is yelling at him and he says, I'll send your <laughs> captain in LA a <laughs> commendation. He presses Big a, red a, a buzzer. Red that's right. That's right. Which, you know, he just launched the nukes uh, against Russia. <laughs> I love the big red button. I also love the, the fact that he was like, all right, I'll send your captain a commendation. Like, eh, that's all good news for John. Take the win and walk out of the office. Yes. Send my captain right. a commendation. All right. Talk to you later. <laughs> Completely. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Not really sure. Um, yeah, but but again, we, we get to see Carmine's personality throughout mm -hmm. this minute mm -hmm. there's no question about that he he shows himself as to who he is you know because because what he's saying by the throwing sending a, a a commendation means that he's at, at least, least fair. fair and again it kind of a hint that he knows he's in the wrong but is not going to admit it yeah but again you know you, you they just someone just got killed in your someone just got yeah. shot in your airport okay you're automatically assuming it's a punk stealing luggage <laughs> And you're gonna get a commendation for for shooting a punk stealing I luggage. 
Yeah, I don't know. Don't know, don't know. All right. So you have anything else you want to say about this before uh, we get into the script? Notes. No, I have a pushes red button was my final. Uh... <laughs> there you go. Launching That's those books. Right. There you go. <laughs> so yesterday we we sort of slid a little bit into today's minute with the with the script, but I'll I'll continue from there. And he goes, Hell, why don't we shut down the whole airport? What do you think they'll say upstairs when I tell them that? Then McLean says, why don't you try and find out? Because I don't need a forensics investigation to file away some, some punk stealing luggage. Luggage? That punk pulled a Glock 7 on me. Know what that is? A porcelain gun from Germany. It doesn't show up on airport x-ray machines, and it costs more than you earn in a month. You'd be surprised what I earn in a month. If it's more than $1.89, yeah. They, they, <laughs> I wonder if that was a flub. <laughs> From uh, Bruce Willis, where he says dollar ninety eight instead of a dollar eighty nine, and then the the rest continues with uh, okay. the same thing. But I'm talking about the big fish, and I'll send your captain a, a commendation. And then it says he hits a buzzer. Immediately, two burly airport cops appear in the they doorway. They were burly. Mm, yeah, but we've seen them before. They're the ones who brought them in, right. also. The same burly <laughs> airport cops. That's right. So. Um, Every Tuesday we have a segment called Disaster mm-hmm. Tuesday. Okay, which which I'm uh, I'm assuming you're wondering what that is. Basically, every every Tuesday I discuss some sort of uh, air, aircraft uh, disaster that uh, okay. that happened, and I I try and find something that is somewhat uh, geographically close to where my guest is from. Mm. Okay, so can you think of any uh, major uh, aircraft uh, crashes that happened somewhere in Wisconsin. I'll, I'll even tell you where. East Troy, Wisconsin. Oh, is that the Steve Ravon helicopter? Yeah. That is right. Yeah, yeah. So on August 27th, 1990, okay, Stevie Ravon was killed in a helicopter crash near East Troy, Wisconsin at the age of 35. He was one of the most influential blues guitarists mm-hmm. of the 80s and described by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as the second coming mm-hmm. of the blues. Okay, he was performing with his with his band Double Trouble as the opening act for Eric Clapton at the Alpine Valley Music Theater, which is 30 miles from from uh, Milwaukee. Have you ever been there? Mm-hmm. I have not. I've been past it. I've seen it from a distance. I've never gone to a show there. Okay. So after the concert ended, so Vaughn and three members of Clapton's entourage boarded a helicopter that ended up crashing into the side of a nearby ski hill shortly after takeoff. Mm-hmm. Okay. The um, they they were notified at 4:30 in the morning that this happened, and uh, all five people on the on, in in the helicopter were pronounced dead on arrival, and the autopsy concluded that basically everyone died of blunt trauma, which makes sense, you know. Now they they tested the bodies and they didn't find any uh, evidence of drug or alcohol use. The they recorded the death as a I don't know why they write this word as a misadventure. I don't know what that means. That's strange. They basically say that the pilot failed to gain sufficient altitude to avoid rising terrain. Okay. Now, one of the things that that that, that I read about this, which was really interesting, is that uh, the day before his death, he had he told his his band and crew members that he had a nightmare, and that he was at his own funeral and saw thousands of mourners, and he felt terrified mm-hmm. yet almost peaceful. And then back, backstage after the show that evening, 
They talked about playing again together with Eric Clapton for a series of dates in London as a tribute to Jimi Hendrix just a few months later. And then they were, they were informed that the weather is starting to get worse and that they had to get out of there soon. And uh, Vaughn's last word to his drummer, Chris Leighton, was, I love you. Now, apparently they had they had four helicopters that were that that were taking taking them out. Now, do you are you you said you've never been to this venue, but have, are you familiar with it at all? Yes, it's a big venue, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, That's right. And it's it's set up for the huge uh, concerts. It's semi outside. Um, it, it all through high school, like anytime stadium tours, we would get downtown Milwaukee, but a real big stadium tours would head out to Alpine Valley. So because it was kind of a distance and in the middle of nowhere, it was always an event if someone was going out to Alpine Valley. Right. Okay, so basically they had four helicopters that were waiting for on the golf course to take the them back to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Vaughn was there with with his brother, with his brother's wife, mm-hmm. and they went on to a, to one of the helicopters, and Vaughn was supposed to get into was supposed to go on one of the that they were all actually supposed to go on that one, uh, on on the helicopter that they that that Vaughn was on. But when they got there, they saw that that uh, three members of Clapton's entourage were were there, and there was only one seat left available. So Vaughn asked uh, both Jimmy and Connie if he could actually take the last seat, saying, "I really need to get back quickly." And they mm-hmm. they got on the next helicopter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so they they were saved from that type of thing from from that. Um, I tell you what, it just added to the fact where I will never get on a helicopter. It because I remember this happening and just being like, "Oh man, this is it's devastating." Because at the time, Stevie Ray Vaughan was a big deal. Yeah, and they didn't yeah, even so, know about the fact until the helicopters never showed up. Yeah, because yeah. again, middle of nowhere. Right. Yeah. Right. So I mean, basically, as you said, it, it the place was a bottleneck, and in order for you know the the musicians to get in and out. So that's why they they mostly used you know helicopters in mm-hmm. order to mm-hmm. you know so that they wouldn't have to sit in traffic for for hours. But uh, I I think maybe Stevie Ray Vaughan would have preferred to have sat in traffic. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I know this segment's a little bit of a downer, but it's still yes. you know, but it's still, <laughs> but but it, it's, it's interesting. It's for it's for information purposes. It's interesting, you know that. Uh, you know, because this this movie does have a plane crash, so I decided yeah. that I wanted to. You know, this is, you know, just uh, something interesting. I, I have some uh-huh. great ones. I have some great one. I have some. I don't know. Great is the right word. I have some very <laughs> fascinating stories uh, later on in the season to talk about. About you know, some some of them are, are ones that never should have crashed. You know, it was people right. were doing stupid things. But you know, I mostly talk about people that we're familiar with. So, you know, okay. So, Jeanette, do you want to once again tell people where they can find Jeanette Ward? Yeah, you can find me on all the socials. I'm out there and around, really mostly on Instagram. Um, you can find me on the Facebooks, and you can find my movie reviews at jwardadventures.blogspot.com. And if you are interested in finding out about my belly dance troupe and what we're up to and what we're doing, or maybe checking out some videos of us, you can, we have a YouTube channel, so you can go to YouTube and search Tamarind Belly Dance, Tamarind Like the Spice, and you'll find our stuff there. All right, great. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. You can find me on Facebook, and you can find me on Twitter. So until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay!
Not now, later. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little 